Ayo, I crack magic. Deli bars in a black pack. It's climactic flows. You're gonna need a light jacket. My verses are light river raft in the lake classic. If you don't know how to ride the wave, it's gonna drown you bastards. I won't rhyme on a beat unless it's dump heavy. You claim you sick, I got the cure like Dr. Sebi. I'm ready to twist your face like a fork and spaghetti. Survivor of the Serengeti with a sharp machete. The hate won't fade me, it's rooted in jealousy and envy. Plenty wanna see me fail, but I won't go easy. My enemies and opposition get done greasy. Filthy, they took shots, but they couldn't kill me. What I create echoes in eternity. Eternally, every line that I skills like therapy. This rhyme right here woke me out of my sleep. Immersed in the craft over 20 years deep. They sheep, I don't expect none to understand. Creative. I got the world in the palm of my hand, that's power. I'm helping you fools to overstand. Spit flames, you want to acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Make moves, you want to follow it. Follow it. We made it on that real high. All right, this is Let's Chop It Up with Zaz, and today we have a special guest, man. This is beyond special, man, you feel me? We got casual, man. From the hieroglyphics fam, are you serious? <laughs> What's up with you, family member? Oh man, chilling, man, chilling. You know, just hey, taking man, it all man. in, beloved. Taking it all in, man. Well, so, thanks, what's up? How you been, man? Everything been good, man. I can't complain. You know what I mean? Just working, working, working. Y'all know how we do on that independent tip. Stay trying to be innovative or something. Yeah, man. Businessman, artist, family man. Jack of all trades, man. How do you balance all that out? Man, I'm not good with balance. Sometimes I I, I might switch from one thing to another and be focused on one thing for two years. Then in the next two years, I may be focused on something else. And after 46 years, 47 years, you, you know, I mean, even if you wanted to say uh, it takes four years to get a degree, a master's or something, right? Well, how many times you can squeeze? <laughs> you could have had 10 master's degrees in the past 40 years is all I'm saying. You know what Ain't I mean? Ain't that the truth? Ain't that yeah, the so truth? If you spend at least maybe 10, 20 years studying different things, you're going to have a, pref- a whole lot of different things to tell the youth. You know what I mean? Wow. That's, that is amazing. You got a story to tell, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you came from an era where experimenting was taking place Mm -hmm. people weren't afraid to take chances on certain sounds exactly imagination was still a part of it uh they kind of like outlaw imagination to these days oh that ain't real you know what i mean so now you can't think of nothing everything had to have transpired (laughs) you know what i mean yeah so yeah you said it right back in the day when you know you can do other things experimentation push the envelope not to say that cats ain't doing that now but it just was different it was different man it was it was different to set you apart um and you you guys had a squad man i mean it was deep i mean it it is deep i'm like it's crazy souls of mischief man yeah yeah yeah, you know yeah Dell, the homo sapien. Exactly. Pep Love, J-Biz. We came out even we had extra pro. And it, we was the, we was just homies, though, who home. We got raw battling each other. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, we got good by trying to be the nicest amongst each other. 
And, you know, and I'm talking about from like great. Well, you know, we was all in elementary school. But what I'm talking about, when you start trying to be raw at about junior high and stuff, middle school, you start feeling like, OK, I'm about to add some swag to myself. And so rapping was something we all added to our characters at different times. And then we come outside and be like, you rap? Oh, you rap? But we always homies, though. And so we'd be battling. And then somebody might get you. Tajay might get me one Friday. Then I'll be like, I'm coming back next Friday. Hot. <laughs> wasn't even calling ourselves the crew yet. You feel me? We just was like the rappers in the neighborhood who battled. And then Dell was the one who was like, while we keep battling, we should just be a crew. That's that was that's amazing. That is definitely amazing. Now, I mean, you guys put out the hieroglyphics albums and that kind of set the tone for everybody too because everybody was able to show off pretty much Mm -hmm. and it just went went off after that you know yeah now during that time frame man what what's what's your thinking man what what are you what are you telling yourself like yo this is it take it all what's your take on it yeah i was not even in the pilot seat so I was listening to a lot of the advice from my main man, Domino, who was like, yo, I'm telling you, because we had lost our deals and we was looking at a way to run it. We hit the ground running, hit put out the high row albums, and the first was selling 100,000, put us in a good position. 100,000 independent put us in a really nice position to be able to try to like maneuver and really do some things. And so... I, we always was like, yeah, we're hitting the ground running. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. But once we got a little bit of funding behind us, it was kind of like, okay, now we're about to kill them like this. We start hitting them with the merchandise and making sure we did things like selling our own merch, which was kind of frowned upon at that time. If you wanted to keep the rapper persona, people didn't want to see you in the crowd selling your own T-shirts or not. But we flipped the script on people because we realized that how many people wanted to get signatures, you do 200 signatures after a show. So now if you stand in front of your product, a person feel kind of crazy walking up to you to ask for that without supporting your thing. Well, we brought a lot of that into the industry with our initial plan of how we would do things once we got off our major labels. And the merch was pretty good quality, man, because I remember I grabbed the Souls of Mischief joint from, from one of the shirts. <laughs> yeah, that was always it. Even to this day, shophyro.com. It's always it's always popping like that. Wow, that that that's amazing, man. So now you're going into fearless. What's your mind frame during that time? And what are you thinking? Producer-wise, rhyme-wise. What direction were you going for during that time? Oh, fear, fear itself. Yeah, I feel you. Oh, um, I, that right there was like me being, uh, that was me being like, that was all the way raw. I mean, it was like I was unfiltered, unedited, and I really wasn't even ready to be packaged uh, like the label wanted to package me, so to speak. I still was just young, busting. And doing my, you know what I mean, doing my thing. A lot of domino production on there, a lot of jazz-inspired samples because we was on our Native Tongues hype, you know what I'm saying? all in, I was walking around my high school with a walking stick. With, you remember the walking stick, Aaron? <laughs> I, Brother remember, Jay I remember the walking, walking sticks. sticks in. Didn't he bring, who had a walking stick before Brother Jay? I don't know. 
after seeing Brother Jay and the X Clan and then seeing Native Tongues, you should have seen me in my sophomore year coming back to the school. I had on a Paisley, I had my dress twisted, and I came with an African walking stick. And so, again, since these were such heavy inspirations on us back at the time, uh, we I mean, to keep it a buck, we come all the way out of the Ice Cube branch of West Coast hip hop. Ice Cube being Dell's cousin and him promising Dell that once he got on, he was going to put Dell on and then Dell making the promise back to us. Once I get on, I'm going to put y'all on. But our inspirations too, though, it was like I was tribed out. I was uh, daylight out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that, you could can, can definitely tell, man. I mean, it fit perfectly, man. The rhyme flow, the, that rhyme flow. And I, you know what I loved about the hieroglyphics, man, is always, like you said, you guys battled so much that you guys started taking on your own identities and then you kind of mastered it because you guys were very lyrical, but also, I'm going to say word express, right? Like you could tell the expressions of every word when you guys said it. It was like, it was like perfect, man, you know? Yeah. Shout out to Opio too. He used to have his pronunciation on. He brought that in. Like when I just stir, <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> he used to uh, accentuate that. And so, you know, a lot of the things the homies do once you guys is amongst yourselves, you guys will emulate. And then once y'all get out, it'll just be packaged as your style. But certain different members brought different swags to the table that makes comprises the high row style you know wow that's that's great that's great and you also take on business ventures man i mean you guys have always been business businessmen you know what i mean at the end I of mean, the day that's what it is though right either you're gonna work for somebody or you know something gonna work for you and you know we don't i mean me being a artist artist i don't always necessarily like uh how when business meets commerce what happens i mean i'm sorry when art meets commerce, what happens to the art a lot of the time is is often second to commerce. And so you might have a song that's rocking one way, but because somebody wanted to sell some more, they'd be like, say this in this part. Well, that's not, you know what I'm saying? Now, now we change the stuff because we want it to be more commercial and it's less a true artistic project that was coming out your head, like as if you just was rocking you know, beating on the table and just getting some expressions out your body, which is the true art. And then when it's formed into that package, I don't necessarily always appreciate that. And so sometimes I just do things like just throw songs out on Instagram that you can't find nowhere else just for the fun of hip hop. Because before the information age, searching and digging was a thing. Now, if you're digging, you're just doing it for fun or just to keep the art preserved because anything you went and spent 30 hours to find that record, all you got to do is type the title of it on Instagram. I mean, on internet, it's going to pop right up. And so some of these things we do just to preserve the art, even artistically in that way. But, you know, I could go off on a tangent and, and bust that forever, but you know what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely it, man. That's definitely it. So how do you keep that control, man, when it comes to like being disciplined uh, to, to still be able to do hip hop? You know what I mean? You always find that time. You know, you did you did go away after your first album for a little while before you came back. What, what was going what was on? What was going on right there with that? 
Well, you know, we had to do Hyro, the Hyro records. And so if my first record was like 94 and then we did two, well, we did a Hyro record. We started working on it in 97. And so I really wasn't focusing on nothing solo. Then we hit the road tough because the Hyro records was such a big success that uh, most of my energy was going into the collective type wave. And I think I came back with my sophomore album almost seven years after my initial album was hella long after, you know what I mean? And so you're right. And sometimes I'm just not on that uh, uh, timetable now. Right now we know how to get more out of it. It's, it was like put out 10 albums a year or whatever, and eventually it's going to be cracking. <laughs> but that really wasn't the template for hip hop back in the day. No, so it wasn't. Favorite big artists used to come out like coming out, twice in a year never used to happen back then it used to be if you had an album the next year we was happy like think about the separation between big daddy kane albums or cool g rap albums so yeah exactly these were the guys this the class this the school i'm from this is just the pace we did it at and i just was still doing it i know how to increase rapid fire everything but some of that is really like for guys who want to uh exploit their music in that regard that's not nothing negative like get the most use out of it and do the most you can that's a perfectly fine template but again that's more of a template for when art meets commerce and like i said i like to give art credence over the commerce so sometimes i'm not like i gotta put out fifty thousand albums to be relevant that's all stuff that i don't trip off <laughs> okay i got you man yeah, so you know, we 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 proud of you, man. The the way you've right. been, you know, with the longevity, man, and right. just seeing you're still doing it, you know, and the way you take risk with different sounds, mm-hmm. you know, from the beginning, you know, now you got a new album that's about to come out. When I saw that, I was like, wow, yeah. that that's crazy. Mm-hmm. This this is gonna be this is gonna be crazy, man. So it's with Perry, right? Dead Perry. The, the art of reanimation. Shout out to Dead Perry. You know what I mean? It's hot. You know what I mean? We got some a lot of new joints on there. He also remixed a lot of joints from my previous record, Big Head Science. Slapped them on there. It's a wonderful joint because his beats, his beats is crazy. You know what crazy. And the rhymes is good, pretty good too. He got a lot of good features on there. I mean, we got everybody from Ghostface, Killer, Killer Priest, Planet Asia, Tri-State, you know what I'm saying, self-titled, Danielson. Yeah. Now Rockness, you know right? Rockness, you know what I mean? Like all kind everybody on there. And so what can I say? You know, high row on there, obviously. Wow, that that that's wild, man. So with all this going on with, with the COVID stuff and, you know, all the challenges that we're facing now, right, unfortunately, how how did you maintain that, like, financially and all that? Were you able to, you know, handle that? Well, the crate challenge was the hardest one to maintain. No, I'm just playing with social media. <laughs> 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 I know somebody was going to get that out there. Nah, man. I mean, we all think about it, bro. Like, the, let's keep it a buck. Me managing my challenges throughout COVID is probably the, identical to you doing the same thing and everybody else. So much so that at the beginning, they gave us something called, I, I almost was about to call it a stimulus, but I forgot what it was called. <laughs> 
what that uh what was that called? It wasn't a stimulus. It was oh forgot, yeah. You don't remember when they gave off money because of the COVID situations was affecting everybody's uh but Damn. I forgot what that was called. It wasn't a stimulus, it's just not it's just leaving my mind right now. Is but, but, but yeah, it's saying. not a stimulus check. It's yeah, not. yeah. But speaking to the point, you know what I mean. It affected us so much, so unilaterally, all across the board, America and all across the world, that everybody, and particularly, let's talk to the music industry, and and directly how it affected the shows got cut off instantly. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Give me my deposit back. Oh, that's not happening. All that type of stuff. Now it's money going the opposite direction that it was supposed to be going. You know what I'm saying? Income outgoing. And then you got a year of tours that you just got to throw out the window. Uh, Artists started digging deeper into what social media could do for us at the beginning of COVID. If you realize that, I mean, it has been doing what it's been doing for the youth who knew how to exploit it. But if you think about it, you started to see the artists our age get more into using their social media platforms to actually do peer-to-peer transactions inside of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, buy it, here go the link. Like, don't even wait. And all those different type of things. And so I think we all had to get creative and use a little bit of ingenuity and figuring out, you know what I'm saying, yo, how to bust this now because it's looking crazy. You know what I mean? Man, that is the truth. Definitely. Man, I tell you, I'm I'm very excited about the new album too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Dropped the two cuts on there raw. Yeah, you know, featuring uh, DJ Jason D, P Dirt, Rockness Monster. Yes, sir. Then you got Never Say It to Us remix, DPV, yeah. featuring mm-hmm. Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some some blappers on there. It's really like I'm still highly specialized as an artist when it comes down to what I, you know, my songs is like. If you like that rapidy rap stuff, now I don't want to say rapidy rap. But if you like them bars, you know what I'm saying? Straight up. That's like the straight bars. Yeah, it's the primary focus. But bars is different than rapidly rap. Rapidly rap is just like you rhyming for the sake of rhyming. That's what we mean a lot of the times when we say, oh, that's that rapidly rap uh, uh, lyrical miracle. Ain't no lyrical miracles over here. It's a lot of good wordplay. And, you know, I like to call it ingenuity with words and just using words different. And, again, I still do imagination, but in the realm of things that you guys like to hear. You know what I'm saying? You can definitely tell. And it's amazing, too, how you're, like, you went through phases with the rhyming. You know what I'm saying? Like, every every album is, (laughs) you can tell you're going in. These last two singles, man, you going in. You talking about bars? You, you, <laughs> Are you, you feeling that? You taking it. You taking it to another level there, fam. I'm going to be honest hey, I with appreciate you, that. You know what? Uh, I kind of opened up my flow a little bit. And I used to listen to a lot of the uh, OGs say that they wasn't writing. And I used to be like snaring my face, like, I don't believe that. And then I started trying it. And, 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 you know, I started in my own comfort zone. That's not something you should really try with hella people in the studio for the first time. You know what I mean? Something, I mean, at least with me, the way I approach my art, once I got into a comfort zone where I could actually not be, I mean, try that, I started doing it. And the bars was kind of like coming hella fast, quicker. (laughs) 
And they was like, nice. I was like, okay, when it starts sounding like I'm freestyling, then I'm going to start over. So that's when, that's my new process of writing now. I write directly into the microphone. Uh, I used to write on the paper and I do both, but now if you're hearing a little bit of an increase or some bars, like it's because I'm tapping into a different channel, like a more free flow. And it's a little bit funner to me because when I listen to them rhymes, I could be like, dang, I just was pulling that out and placed it to the beat uh, spontaneously. You know what I'm saying? Man, you can definitely tell, man. Word up. I definitely tell, man. So what's going on with everybody with the hieroglyphics and, you know, Everybody's still in tune. I see you guys are doing Bitcoin. Yes, you sir. know, we got well, a bar that's Hyrocoin bar. How what about you going, that? Dog? I, you know, you said how we was doing that? Bitcoin. It's we it's a cryptocurrency. You know what I'm saying? But really, it's 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 based on bringing DeFi, which is decentralized finance, bringing D- DeFi technology to hip hop. And so it's not like you know, it's not. Uh, something we got based on personal gain, like, go oh, get rich over. No, it's like, help us build a decentralized autonomous organization to fund the arts. And that's what it's all about. And so what I mean by that is right now for some type of artistic funding, you automatically got to go to hella centralized institutions. You're either going to go to a record label or probably try to get an artistic grant. But we want to come up, we have come up with a democratic process that will allow any member who cooperates the opportunity to get their art funded by simply going through a proposal submission process. They'd submit their proposal to the collective who helped raise the funds. And if their proposal was approved by 51% of the members, they get the tokens towards their project. You see what I mean? And so, it sh- and we, we don't feel like it should be much more than the, besides what's required for everything, you know, legalities and everything. But I'm talking about between the organization or between the decentralized autonomous organization and the pr- proposal submitter, there shouldn't be much more in the way. You submit your proposal. If 51% of the people agree that you deserve that funding, it gets approved. And that's what we're trying to bring to hip hop. I feel like that will be a template that could grow and actually affect the nature of funding and music instead of just going to, why would you go to a record label if systems like we're discussing now are actually up and running? Wow. Yeah, I I, I, I really believe that we need a better system, man, when it comes to, you know, distributing our music and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, blockchain mm-hmm. technology is going to do a lot to help. You see what's up with these NFTs? Yeah, you got yeah, you guys got NFTs too, right? Yeah, we got NFTs, but I'm just speaking about NFTs in general, how NFTs is affecting the art space. Eventually, they're going to be expe- affecting the music space in the same regard once we get hip to how to use NFTs for music. I mean, you know. Yeah, people are putting like one song or two songs that are not, not going to be available nowhere else. The only way you'll get it is if you get the NFT. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's just like a regular uh, extra bonus CD. I'm thinking more or less like, yo, if 
if you buy this NFT, you get uh, limited rights to collect publishing on these these songs. Oh, by these now you're talking. There you go. See, because this going to make the value talk. of them things shoot through the roof. Imagine if Ye came out with one new song, say, look, instead of giving up 50% of the publishing to some big entity, I'm going to let it be open to the people. So I made 50 NFTs that represent, each one of them represent 1% of the publisher on the song. Now, and we're going to auction them off and see what y'all want them for. You know, them prices going to go crazy. People going to be like, I got 20 bands on that. So now you got 50 of them, 20 bands. That's a million right there. Am I wrong? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, so it's like, and I mean, you know, they're going to sell hotter than that. Kind of because uh, these NFTs of just playing art without nothing good like that behind it is doing 300,000, 300K. Wow. Pretty soon, man. Even the streams are going to be gone. You have to get it from an NFT setup or something like that. That's yeah, going to be crazy. Yeah, yeah that's going to be it. Like, like you can't even see the stream unless we tech your wallet and see that the NFT is in there. Now you can see see what the people seeing. <laughs> Ain't that something? Yeah. Hey, man, share a story with us, man, like on tour that you had or something like that when all of y'all what it was to get in the bus for the first time, you know? Oh, tons of stories, man. Tons of stories. I got a story from, I got a few of them. Once I was at Scribble Jam, I think it was like 90. I was talking about this the other day, maybe 2001, 2002, whatever. And it was right after that Juice M battle, I probably, you know, that time. Uh, but anyway, First, some dude wanted to fight me for smoking weed out at the table, but I wasn't even tripping. I was supposed to be performing with Big Daddy Kane that night, right? And so that's one of my favorite artists of ever. And so <clears throat> I peeped that Scribble Jam. They was up and running, but for some reason, they had me and Big Daddy Kane sharing the dressing room. And when I walked back there, I seen it said Big Daddy Kane slash casual. And I'm like, hold the fuck up. I got to go walking. <laughs> and make him be mad at me for being the artist that got to share the dressing room with Kane. So I was like, I ain't going in there. I told my partners. They was like, what you talking about? My homies is looking like, what the fuck? Like, we on our casual shit. We out here in Chicago or whatever. I'm like, bro, look, it's like casual slash Big Daddy Kane. They didn't get Kane his own dressing room. And so I'm not about to go in there and take away from what he might be doing in the room. Hey, so I'm standing out in the hallway after all this with my admiration on. Kane just come walk out the room, just probably going to do something else and called me by my nickname and made me feel hella stupid. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I ain't doing this. This is my idol, you know. He don't know me or nothing. He probably thinking who this little rapper. He came out the door and was like, Cash, what you doing out here? And I was like, Kane said, Cash, you feel me? I was like, that was one of the big moments for me. I was like, he didn't even say casual. He said cash, which meant it, it was some familiarity to him. And so I was like, oh, shit, Kane ain't tripping. I'm going in the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it probably that's the type of story that you was thinking about. But Nah, that was good, man. That was good, know, man. That's yeah, what's up. Because he looked like a laid back guy, man. You know what yeah, I mean? Like he, he won't be cool. tripping. Yeah, yeah, it was cool, but it was my admiration for what his style doing for me for so long. I damn near was like, man, I'm about to be fanboy. I ain't going in there on no fanboy shit. You know what, <laughs> what I'm saying? 
So, so tell us what's next for you, man, after all that you've been doing, man, what's next that you want to venture off to that you could say, you know what, this is trying something different that I've already done. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's good. I'm not on the next yet. Uh, I'm like right now, next is building this decentralized autonomous organization is getting it right because right now it's a process and we building it. And, and, you know, I noticed that a lot of over the years, I noticed a lot of my passions uh, in entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial short passions got like a three-year lifespan uh, because I'm passion-driven and creative-based. And if I'm like got a video company I had two, three years ago, I produced like 63 videos. And then after a while, I was like, I want something else. And so, again, I've been working on HiroCoin for like over the past seven years. Uh, you know, wow. I mean, it's been something that's been stuck with me since like 2014 uh, when I first put it on the blockchain. We had our own blockchain. And so it's definitely one of those type of projects that like, yo, I got I can't. I mean, I'm not on no short timetable. I believe the magnitude that it can help hip hop to in that regard is something that, you know, a 10 year project. So be it. But I'm focusing on getting this done and banging this, having this right. It's out. It's up and running. But what we're doing is working out the details of the smart contracts for the decentralized autonomous organization. So wow. That's what it is for the meanwhile. And after that, you who knows, you know what I mean? Who knows what's gonna go happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So how do you feel about the direction of of legalizing marijuana? I mean, what do you mean? So this is what I mean by saying, what do you mean? For years in all conscious communities, since I was a young man, legalize it was one of the most conscious things to be said. Uh, Bob Marley's whole campaign. Uh, I mean, it, so what happened? Was those people like serious or was they faking or was like that not uh, the majority of the people? Because now in certain groups, even certain hip hop uh, based groups, I see uh, some negative spin back on the legalization that we all asked for. You know what I'm saying? And now, again, when we're talking about legalization and illegal or it being illegal, we're not talking about use cases. We're not talking about moderation. We're not talking about uh, these certain things. We're just simply talking about some the practice of something being illegal or legal. You can abuse something, whether it's legal or illegal. Or legal. You see what I mean? And so people getting into criminal, uh, getting into criminal, getting called a criminal because they were uh because they might have a small usage of cannabis or whatever that was crazy and then we got a lot of people still uh locked up in certain states where cannabis has not became legal so that's also crazy too because it makes we understand how states run individually but think on the on the moral grounds of a nation that uh just 30 feet away or maybe 30 300 miles away even someone's free for something someone else 30 feet away in jail is living a life sentence for the same exact things, you know what I'm saying? The same like, exact thing. And so in so, certain states, they've exonerated certain people and even gave equity businesses in California. They've given equity like, okay, well, since it's free now and you were a criminal for, now we're going to flip that around and say, 
call this the equity that you've had into this business. And so they get type of like priority licenses, uh, which was good. It was just one program that uh, went on in California to help uh, venerate, or not venerate, but, uh, you know, play restitution back to people they locked up for something that's now deemed legal, but you lost 10 years of your life and we just figured out it should be legal. That's crazy, right? Yeah, that is kind of wild. And so, that is kind of wild. I mean, that's a stance on legalization, but I don't think, again, I don't think legalization or illegalization should affect us personally when we think about whether we should or should not use our, how much we moderate or uh, what abuse is. Uh, those are separate issues, you know what I'm saying, whether it's illegal or not. Well said, well said, man. I've always appreciated your your the way you speak and the way you connect with, with questions and whatnot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so that was a good one that I wanted to ask you that. I appreciate so, yeah. it. Man. So, yeah, man, we wanted to bring you up here, you know, chop it up with you, big you up, appreciate you and let you know how much you mean to hip hop. Right. Up. And I man. think we did that today, man. That's Everybody, an honor. What you were saying? It's an honor, man. And a blessing. Uh, respect for having me. And uh, like I said, I like to get this out to everybody watching. Check out Casual Rap God on IG. Hieroglyphics.com to learn more about bar. And, you know, I'm just, that's where I'm at, really. Boom. Definitely, man. So, yeah, man, it is what it is. You know what I mean? This was Let's Chop It Up with Zaz. And today we had a special guest, Casual, from the Hieroglyphics, y'all. Boop, boop, boop. My man. Peace. (laughs)